Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Easter to all of you. Are you ready? You know what I'm going to say? He is risen. We'll do it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right, that's awesome. Thank you, Dan Frost. I'll see you in my office after this service. But good morning also to those who are online. Uh, I'm glad that you're joining us too. And hey, I just want to, I know as people are still arriving, these little signs, is, that's only saving the seat, not the row. I'm sorry for the confusion. I actually made those signs and I thought, so yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but welcome everyone. Happy Easter to all of you. And if you're here today because someone invited you and you said yes, uh, I'm really glad that you're here. Super glad. I hope you feel uh, welcome. I hope you feel comfortable. I hope you got a cup of coffee, uh, maybe even maybe even a cookie. I hope that we aren't uh, too strange for you, but you must understand that for, uh, for people who call themselves Christians, believers in Jesus, uh, followers of Jesus, this weekend is, is really the high point of the year for us. This weekend, we celebrate the event, the historical event that our entire belief, our entire faith uh, are, are built upon. Today, we celebrate that the God we believe in isn't just an old story or some good person who lived and died years ago and whose story that we're working so hard, uh, you know, whose memory we're working so hard to keep alive. No, that's, that's not the case. Today, we gather together to celebrate that Jesus is alive and we believe he's with us here right now. We believe that on the cross uh, and we celebrate that Jesus conquered the power of death. Uh, died, uh, paid the penalty for all our sins. So now you don't have to be afraid of death. Uh, In fact, because Jesus is alive forever, as his followers, we believe that we also will live forever. And because he paid the penalty for our sin, uh, we celebrate today that we can be forgiven and washed clean, which is an awesome thing to be washed clean of all our sins, past, present, and future. And Today, we celebrate uh, that God has done all this simply because he loves us, because he loves you. And because of his great love, all that I just said, all that God offers uh, is offered to everyone, and it is a free gift. And so I'd say that's something to celebrate and get get excited about. Cue the applause. Okay, good. Okay. For those online, there's just mayhem in the room right now. Okay, so this weekend, uh, as we are joining with the church all around the world in celebrating the resurrection uh, uh, and meaning the, the death of Jesus and his coming back to life. But also at the same time, here at VCDC, we're also wrapping up a 12-week series that we've been in uh, called The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ. And this has been a study of the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. And I think it has been a wonderful series, has it not? Cue applause. And if you're here today and you're visiting and you're like, hey, Revelation, they did a series on Revelation and there's still people in the church. I might want to check that out. So if you would like to check it out, after this weekend, the entire series will be available on our website, vcdc.org. 
Uh, it has been, uh, I think it's been excellent. Uh, so you can check that out, watch it in its entirety. So I invite you to do that. My plan today as we celebrate <clears throat> the resurrection of Jesus is to uh, share some final thoughts from Revelation plus take a look at the Easter story with the goal of, of really uh, offering to everyone in the room and those who've joined us online an opportunity to, and to really get and receive a fresh understanding and experience of the very real presence of Jesus uh, here with us. And so another way to put that is R plus E equals JC. That's an equation that I came up with myself. And I did that to impress the smart people in the room, but also to show my parents who are watching that though I skipped a lot of school, uh, I, I did learn a lot about algebra. So uh, before we get into that, see, I'm warming you up. Hey, doesn't it just feel like, yeah, but let's pray first and then, uh, then we'll jump into what I have to say. Let's pray. But Lord, I do thank you for, um, I was thinking this morning, I think almost every Easter Sunday has been a beautiful morning. Um, and that's, it just, it just seems like it should be a beautiful morning. Lord, I, I thank you for what we're celebrating today. I thank you that you're greater than death, that you're greater than sin, that you're greater than any, any enemy, any power, that you, uh, you are the greatest and you are love. And I pray today that you would, in the room, online, Lord, would you go way beyond my words? Would you come close to people? Would you reveal yourself to people here today? I thank you, especially for those who are visiting today. I just pray that you would feel so welcome, so comfortable, and, and that you would be surprised today by the love of God. So uh, just have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So as I've been thinking about this weekend and, and wondering, you know, how am I going to wrap up Revelation and also look at the Easter story? I, I was trying to figure out how I was going to do that. So what I did is in my mind, I basically set them, I set them side by side and I asked the question, okay, what connects these two stories? Or, you know, uh, what themes do both of them address? And really, you could go a lot of ways, but here, here's what jumped out at me as I looked at Revelation and the Easter story. Uh, let me preface it with this. The Bible, God's Word, is written uh, not just for scholars. It's not just written for seminary professors and pastors. The Bible is written for and to everyone, from the youngest to the oldest, every, every person, every race, every demographic, everyone. The Bible is written to share with the world the story of God. And especially his story regarding his most cherished creation, people, you and me. And, in, uh, and like every good story in the Bible, we see that there's a good guy and there's a bad guy and there's a beautiful girl. And, and, the, and, the, and the beautiful girl and the good guy are meant to be together but the bad guy works overtime to try to keep them uh, apart, to try to keep that from happening. And like every good story, uh, there's a decisive battle. There's this climactic moment uh, where there's a battle between the good guy and the bad guy. Winner takes all, winner, uh, winner gets the girl. And in the Bible, that decisive battle is won by Jesus, who is the good guy, uh, on the cross. He lays down his life on the cross for the girl 
And in doing that, he frees her from the evil hold of the bad guy who is the devil. And then what we're celebrating today, Jesus, the good guy, the hero, comes back to life, uh, comes back from, rises from the dead to be with his girl forevermore. Now, that sounds like a good place to end the story, but in the Bible story, that's not where it ends. We don't just see the couple walking into the sunset, holding hands with some cheesy music playing. Uh, and, and the Bible story doesn't end there because of who this girl represents. This girl represents, well, all of humanity. Every, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group. And the story doesn't end there because the desire of Jesus, the plan of Jesus, is that every human being, because of what he did on the cross, that every human being would be set free from the hold of the bad guy. And that in this, in this place of freedom, they would see Jesus and they would see how beautiful, how wonderful he is, and they would give themselves to him. And then they would join him in this work of helping other people, welcoming other people, be freed up and coming to know Jesus. Until, this is where the Bible story ends, well, sort of ends, until one day, and this is what we saw in our, our series in Revelations, one day, Jesus will return to totally destroy the bad guy, not just his hold, but totally destroy him and to gather up his girl, to gather up his bride, to gather up his people, all those who have said yes to him, and then they will live together forever in the most beautiful place, also known as Narnia. And all that to say, when I put Revelation and Easter side by side, the theme that jumped out at me, the theme that really grabbed me, it's, it's a very simple theme, but it is the most powerful theme, and that theme is the very real, the very personal, the very constant presence of Jesus with us. And, and his presence with us, encouraging and helping people who are trying to believe. Helping people who don't yet believe that the story of God really is all true. And so in Revelation, what we see, Revelation actually is a, it's the longest letter in the Bible. And it's written by a guy... Pastor John, John, one of the original disciples, and he's written this, this long letter, this very encouraging letter to all these followers of Jesus who live in, uh, uh, who are in different cities, go to different churches. It's the early church. And he's writing to encourage people who are struggling to hold on to their belief in Jesus, their belief that this story really is all true. And they're struggling because the world they live in, the culture they live in, the time they live in, it really doesn't look at all like Jesus has broken the hold of the bad guy. And if they were honest, they would say that they don't always feel like a rescued people. And because of that, they are struggling to believe. And so how does Jesus encourage them uh, to still believe? Well, if you were here for our Revelation series, you'll remember that one of the things he does is that he reminds them that things are not as they seem. Things are not as they seem. And one of the things that the Bible teaches is that one of the challenges for, for us as human beings is that our sight, our understanding, our perspective on life is very limited. It's very limited. But the Bible also teaches that God's perspective is unlimited. 
that God sees it all from start to finish. God, God sees and understands, is fully aware of all the workings, all the going-ons uh, in the world. So he sees it all, but our sight is limited. And so he wants to help us uh, to see beyond that. And, and it's kind of like this. Imagine if you were, you know, you're sitting in an airplane, you're at O'Hare Airport in, uh, in uh, Chicago, and it is totally overcast. Like it is a miserable, miserable day. And you start to taxi out to the runway and you know, and you're, you're sitting there and you're going through that, the, uh, the emergency, all the information that nobody ever watches, which I think is frightening. <laughs> but, um, but then you, you, know, you start taking off, you're going down the runway and, and you start climbing, climbing, climbing. And one of the things that I never get tired of when I fly is when you break through the cloud cover, <laughs> It's like, hey, what's that bright light? What's that bright light in the sky? Like, that's an amazing thing to me. It's kind of like, it's like, hey, that, that's right. Even when it seems overcast to me, the sun is still shining. And just because I can't see it doesn't mean that the sun, that the sun isn't there. And so in Revelation, he reminds the people, he and he encourages them. He helps them in their belief that, you know, that things are not as they seem. And he does that by pulling back the curtain or, in this case, by parting the clouds and letting them see, letting them see uh, just what's really going on behind the scenes in their present situation. And he parts the clouds to show them where things are really going in the future. And in Revelation and what we'll see in the Easter story is that the greatest unseen reality of the present, of right now, right now in this room, the greatest unseen reality of the future uh, uh, that both encourages and helps us believe is the very real, the very personal and constant presence of Jesus with us. And so in Revelation, in the final chapter, it says this in verse six, John says this, the, uh, the angel said to me these words, and again, uh, wait a sec. The angels, then the angel said to me, these words, and I'm talking about everything that we talked about in Revelation, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Then Jesus said, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Or another way to put that, is blessed is the one who still believes that the sun is shining even when they can't see it. And another way to say that would be faith. You know, if you've been to church at least once, you've heard faith. We talk a lot about faith. The Bible defines faith this way. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith, what is faith? Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Faith is assurance about what we do not see. That's crazy. I think faith is crazy. It's like faith is just because I can't see it, just because I can't see the sun doesn't mean that it isn't shining. That's faith. Now, thankfully, when it comes to believing in Jesus, it isn't always an overcast sky in this life. Like, it's not like, you know, you know to be a Christian means, well, you know what? You just got to find some deep, you know, strength of will to just stir up, you know, grit your teeth, stir up some level of faith, and you just got to find a way to believe. 
I'm so glad that's not accurate to what it means to be a Christian. In fact, in this life, this side of heaven, we see the brightness of the sun. And again, I'm referring to Jesus. We feel the warmth of its power, of his power, many, many times to help and encourage us in our beliefs. So let me, let me do a little poll. How many, and those online, feel free to participate. But uh, how many of you in, in this room would say, in the last week, you had a glimpse of the sun. You had an experience, a very real experience with the presence of Jesus that both encouraged and helped you to believe that the story is true. Put your hand up real high. Okay, I'm so glad that worked. <laughs> Could you imagine if nobody put their hand up? Uh, we're just gonna wrap it up and let's get some ham. <clears throat> but, but okay, now, like, last night it was the same. That's, that's so amazing to me. And if you're visiting today, I hope that's amazing to you that this really is true, that you're not alone that the heart of God is, I'm with you. I want to help you. You are never alone in this life. And many times, many times, the, the light, his, his light and his love, the light and love of Jesus breaks through the clouds to encourage us in this life. So that's, that's a bit on Revelation. Now, let's take a look at the Easter story. Uh, and what we see in the Easter story, again, carrying on this whole overcast uh, sky analogy, we see people... We see people in the Easter story who are disappointed by the death of Jesus on the cross. Very disappointed. Because from their perspective, when they looked at Jesus, it was like, oh man, the sun is so bright when they looked at Jesus. Because they're like, we have never, we've never seen or heard anyone like Jesus. And so for them, again, the sun was shining so bright, but suddenly as his dead body is taken down from the cross, and laid in the tomb. For them, their world just went, woof, just went dark, very dark. And they are struggling, struggling to believe. So the story starts with this. Luke 24, verse one says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, and I love this, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man, another name for Jesus, must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And in the story, these women are like, I'm sure they're both terrified by what they just saw, but super excited also by what they just saw. And they go running back into Jerusalem. They go running back to a house where a whole bunch of followers of Jesus have gathered and the leaders of the group, the disciples are there. And they come bursting in and they share everything that just happened. But nobody, nobody in the room believed them. They didn't think it was possible. It actually says in the story that the words of the women seemed like nonsense to them. Now, that's actually encouraging to me. And here's what I mean. Again, in the context of believing, 
Like the people in this story, especially the disciples, these guys had a front row seat on, on Jesus, on the life of Jesus. Like for three years, they hung out with Jesus. For three years, they watched blind eyes be opened. They watched dead people come back to life. They watched food multiply, like on and on and on. They saw all these crazy, crazy miracles, all these you know, amazing things that Jesus did. Add to that numerous times uh, leading up to the cross, numerous times Jesus told them exactly what was going to happen. And it's, it, he may as well have said, now look, you guys, read my lips. I'll be arrested, I'll be crucified, and on the third day, I'm gonna come back to life. He told them that many, many times. And yet with all that, they still struggled to believe. And if they struggled to believe it was true, experiencing all that, that's super encouraging for me. And it should be encouraging to you that like, we haven't seen that, have we? And yet we're still invited into this place of belief. That's super encouraging to me that they struggle, we struggle. And here's where we see the common theme in both Revelation and the Easter story, this theme of the very real personal and constant presence of Jesus with us, encouraging and helping us to believe that it's all true. In the story, not all the followers of Jesus uh, had gathered in Jerusalem that day. There were two of them that had left the city and they were heading home, uh, totally dejected and confused, trying to make sense of all that had happened that day and uh, really trying to find the sun as a massive cloud bank was rolling in. And the story continues in verse 13. It says this, it says, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, look at this, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. That's like sneaky Jesus. He asked them, hey, hey, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, what? Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And I can just imagine Jesus sort of looking at the camera. Hey, what things? It's like, I just, I love that part. But okay, you don't have to love it. That's fine. But he says, what things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Oh, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Now, um, as I read that, it's like it's that what those people are saying, what Cleopas is saying is oozing with disappointment, isn't it? Like you can just hear that from deep in his heart. He's like, oh, we had hoped that he was the one. I mean, there's, there's never been anyone like this guy, Jesus. We were sure that he was the one who was going to redeem. He was going to rescue Israel from our enemy, the Romans. And the truth is that on the cross, Jesus did rescue them, but he rescued them and us 
from an enemy much, much greater than the Romans. We're talking death, sin, the devil, but that's, that's another message. But, but again, you can, you can see, you can hear, you can feel the disappointment that these people are experiencing that came from their unfulfilled hope. And last week I listened to a, a podcast all about hope. And he defined hope this way, hope, the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. And in this podcast, the speaker said, he said that the opposite of hope, if this is hope, he said the, the extreme opposite of hope is despair, is despair. And he went on to say that while despair is very real in our culture, and I would say uh, growing in our culture, he, would, he said that in America, the more common opposite of hope is more like disappointment. He even went so far as to say, uh, he quoted some sociologists, he said that the primary American emotion is disappointment. That feeling of letdown, that chronic feeling in our culture of unfulfilled hopes. Why would that be? Well, he went on to say that that disappointment comes from the myth, the myth of progress, which he said is a common middle-class American expectation that our life should always be moving up and to the right. And another way to, to say that is the gospel of upward mobility. And when I, when I thought that through, I thought, I thought yeah, I think, I think that is, I, I totally understand where, that's coming, where that disappointment is coming from. But when I look at that, the gospel of upward mobility, I realize I don't think that's accurate, though, to our lives, is it? I don't think that's accurate to our culture. If these last few years have taught us anything, if these last few weeks have, have taught us anything, it doesn't look like we as a culture are progressing. It's more like we as a culture are regressing. I mean, there's so many of the things, so many of the things that we have put our hope in have let us down, have they not? Like I consider the economy, my 401k, I think I owe money on my 401k. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true, but it's, it's, it got a chuckle. Or what if you put your hope in politicians? And we're not going to stay in this section too long. Uh, we're not going to cue applause, but but if you put your hope in politicians to find the way and to rescue us, I don't know, from my perspective, I think it looks more like a three-ring circus than someone or some people who are going to help us. Or, or what if you put your hope in the goodness of humanity? The goodness of humanity will prevail, will rise up. And then in the news, there's another mass shooting. Or you're driving through wherever you live and you're like, hey, flags are at half-mass again. Why is that? I mean, I can't even keep up with, with the reasons for the flags being at half mass. Or maybe you put your hope in the church. The church is going to uh, rise up. The church will be the bright light in the darkness. And then there's another expose or another moral failing of a pastor. And, and where I'm headed with this is, or what if, let's go even deeper into a place that I think it's, it's hard sometimes to admit. Uh, what if you're disappointed with God? which is kind of a weird thing to say, but, it, it, but I think it's accurate. I know it's accurate for me, where I am, I am disappointed with God, where, where, where I feel like God has let me down. He hasn't done what I'd hoped he would do, or he hasn't done it when 
I hoped he would do it. Do I let that disappointment move me towards him or do I let it move me away from him? Listen to this quote. <clears throat> but what if disappointment is actually a good thing? What if disappointment is an emotional signal from our body that our hope was set on the wrong object? What if disappointment comes with a gentle invitation from the Holy Spirit to recenter our hope? Hope, that, that inner orientation of our heart toward the future and our energy for the present, to, to recenter our hope back onto God. See, what if... What if, you know, it, just being human, being in this place with limited perspective, limited sight, limited understanding, what if we, what if we learn to use disappointment as a, as a reminder, as like a dashboard light that, hey, could it be that you're trying to build your life on something that you were never meant to build your life on, putting your hope in something that you were never meant to put your hope in? What if we use disappointment to, as a reminder to recenter our hope back on to Jesus. And one of the promises in the Bible that I find, well, I guess it's two promises, that I find one comforting, one not comforting, and those promises are this, that, that the Bible promises that in this life, we're going to go through lots of disappointments. In this life, it's not just, you know, Walt Disney, like a Disneyland, but it's going to be hard. Even as a Christian, it's going to be hard. And, that, and that's, that's not very comforting. But he also promises that whatever we go through, he's going to be with us. His very personal, very constant presence. He will always be with us. Every disappointment in this life offers an opportunity to become more aware of the greater truth of our situation, which is the very real presence of Jesus. So back to the Easter story, I'll wrap it up here. These people are super disappointed. Their hopes regarding Jesus have not been fulfilled. But notice in the story that they're not alone in their disappointment. Like it's amazing to me that Jesus left Jerusalem after, you know, coming back to life. And uh, he, he goes after these two people. He goes after them. He pursues them. The people share all their disappointments with him. Their struggle to believe, uh, you know, the news of his resurrection. And Jesus responds this way. Verse 25. He said to them, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. Sneaky Jesus. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, and I'm sure Cleopas looked at his friend and said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew there was something special about that guy. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? What I love about this story is one little glimpse of the sun and everything changes. One little glimpse of Jesus and everything has changed for these people. As, uh, as the story continues, Jesus will again disappear. And this time when he goes, uh, he will send his Holy Spirit 
to come and live in the hearts of all of his followers. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he is that very personal, very constant presence of God in our lives, encouraging and helping us to believe every day, every moment that the story of God is really true. Uh, so let me do a little infomercial here. Uh, next weekend, <laughs> next weekend, Andrew is going to kick off a new series and it is called, ding, it's called Empowered. And we're going to be looking at who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? And this is, I'm super excited for this series because this is, this is a key truth. The key belief of the Christian life is that you're never alone and that God wants to live in your life and he wants to help you every day with all the stuff of life. And so for our visitors, I want to extend an, an invitation. If you'd love to learn more about the Holy Spirit and all that I'm saying, uh, come on back next week. We'll kick off that series. We'd love for you to join us. Okay, here's how I'm going to end off. Let's have the worship team come on back. Uh, in a little bit here, we're going to celebrate the victory of Jesus through song. Look, everyone's stretching. That's good. Yep, everyone, okay. But uh, we're going to celebrate through song uh, the victory of Jesus. But before we do that, I want to uh, just take a moment and give God the floor. And what I mean is this. Here at the Vineyard, one of our core beliefs uh, is that we believe right now, 942, here in Sunbury, Ohio, that God is with us. Now, I don't see him, right? And I don't even feel his presence right now. But that doesn't mean that the sun isn't shining, right? And we believe that he's here with us and that is He's here with all of who he is, his power, his love. And, and so we, we believe that he is active. And my confidence is way more in him and his activity as I'm talking than it is in my words as I'm talking. So what I want to do before we go back into worship, I want to invite you, and you can online, please join in on this. I want to invite you just to, in your seats, just close your eyes so you won't be distracted. And then if you're comfortable, just to open your hands on your lap. And it's just a posture of, it's really, it's really a, a physical posture of I'm open to you, God. All right? So let me just pray a prayer as, as, we, as we give God this space. So God, we thank you for your presence here. And I ask, Lord, right now, like in Revelation, would you part the clouds and would you let, the, let your light and your love shine on us right now? And Lord, I pray that just like in the Easter story, would you pursue people today? Would you especially pursue people who have lost hope? Who are, who are overwhelmed by maybe not just disappointment, but with despair? as they look at the world, as they look at their lives. Lord, would you pursue them? Uh, would you remind them of the truth of your story? Would you reveal yourself today? Would you open their eyes to see you? And again, I pray, would you surprise us with how close, how personal you are? Would you call people by name today? Just come, Lord. We give you this, this space. And I, I just see the Lord to all, to many people saying, just inviting you to take a step closer to him.
And for some, it's just, uh, just would you take a step of belief that, he, he, that God really is real and that he really is alive and that he really is good and that he really does know you and he really loves you? For some, would you, would you take a step today? Would you, would you take a step of, of belief that he really is with you? And as you get up tomorrow to get back into work, school, life, that you would embrace this truth and lean into this truth that he wants to help you through all the stuff of life. And then, and then for some, he's inviting you to hand over your dreams, hand over your plans to trust him, to trust him with your life, to trust him with your future, to, to take his hand uh, and, 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 and to let him lead the way. Oh, Lord, would you reveal yourself here today? We welcome you here. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your, your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.